Welcome to Sungha and Raz's Nutrition Perspectives. Come along with us as we explore diversity in dietetics. Hi everyone, it's Raz and today we've got a really special guest and another student dietitian which we're so excited to have. Um, so today we've got Keigo who is studying in the Nottingham area and she's a final year dietetics student. Do you mind introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about yourself and your journey into dietetics? Yeah, um, so I'm Keigo and as she said I'm a fourth year student in Nottingham. Um, ethnically I'm Nigerian and I, um, I got into dietetics because I've, I've always loved food um, and I've always had such an interest in food and I also knew I always wanted to help people. So I just sort of put the two together and I got dietetics. I hadn't heard of it until I think it was maybe year 10 or so. Um, I was just Googling around, you know, different food careers and I just found dietetics and I just really, I just fell in love with it from there really. Did you do anything in particular to get experience or shadow to get yourself into the university course? Um, yeah, I did email my local hospital quite a few times about work experience. I wasn't able to get any in my hospital, but I was able to volunteer at another hospital. Um, so I got to volunteer and I also went to a few like open days, like nutrition open days. Um, there was one at King's where it was like, I think it was called a nutrition taster day. So they just had like a lecture about nutrition, about the course and like what sort of careers you could go into. So it was good to get um, like an insight more into nutrition. Cool. Do you do much outside of dietetics in your university? Um, I did join, I joined the Nigerian Society. Um, and then I also joined the Fashion Society as well because I did textiles at school and I just, I love textiles so much. Um, so I joined the Fashion Society and Nigerian Society. Sounds like you've got quite a few different things going on for you, which sounds great, especially for university. One of the things mm. which I'm sure you might be aware from our podcast that we want to know a little bit more about is a little bit about your lived experience as a student dietitian, maybe going from school all the way to your final year dietetics. Um, we obviously want to know about things which have maybe been a bit challenging, but also some of the good things and the impact this has had on you. So whenever you're ready, do you mind telling us a little bit about your experience? Yeah, um, so I think going on to, into the course initially, it wasn't, not that it wasn't what I was expecting, but I think first year was definitely a lot of general science. There was there was some stuff that kind of reminded me because I did A-level biology and chemistry and there were some um, modules that reminded me quite a lot of my A-levels. So I was kind of thinking, oh, I wasn't I wasn't really expecting such a general science kind of um, first year. But they did say to us that it's just it's important to have that scientific foundation and that background, because as you go on in all the further years, you build on that knowledge. Um, and I think even within my course, a lot of people were thinking, like, is this this isn't what I expected, is this the right course for me? Um, but I feel like as I've continued on the course, I've definitely seen how important it is to have that like foundation and have that science knowledge because obviously all our whole course is science-based. Um, so I think, yeah, initially it was, I was sort of thinking, what, I wasn't really sure what, what it was, but as we went on, it definitely got so much better and so much more food-based. Even looking back, I remember being like, why do I need to learn how to draw 20 amino acids? Like, what's the point? Yeah. <laughs> um, but actually, 
some of that knowledge does come through and I think especially in certain specialities if someone works in metabolics actually things like that are really helpful how have you found the course going through a little bit later as well yeah I think definitely it's gotten more um it's more like nutrition I don't know how to describe it it's it's gotten um more actually what I was expecting that we had module we had a whole module where we were um in the kitchens like every week cooking different meals or cooking um as if you were on a low budget or cooking if you were vegetarian so we got to do so many different like food-based things and I think it definitely got a lot better um and also at the end of first year we went on our first placement so that was so good to be able to just it sort of just reinforced that dietetics is what I actually want to do like being able to just see all the different dietitians in action so I think it was it was really good to have that placement at the end of first year so you you knew what you were doing there I think that really helped. I think that's a really good point and I know there have been some discussions about when's the most appropriate time to put the first placement and with what you're saying about the first year being quite science heavy I think it can be quite a nice reminder for people to have their first placement quite soon to remind them about what dietetics is like how has your placement experience been? Um, I've had a really good placement. I've had um, my A placement, my first placement, that was just an um, observation, obviously, because it was at the end of first year, but it was still great just to be able to see all the different specialties. And I quite liked weight management when I was on that placement. Um, and I've just had my second placement, which was, I was getting more involved in speaking to patients during most of the consultation. And again, that was such a great experience. Um, Unfortunately, I didn't get to see weight management because my hosp- the hospital I was at doesn't um, offer that service. But I did quite like ICU, so the intensive care unit, and I quite liked renal as well. So it was just so good to be able to see like such a, a wide range of specialties and be able to sort of see like where I could um, end up working. It sounds like your experience so far has been really good and really positive. Have you had any yeah. challenges so far um, being a student dietitian? Um, I think one of the biggest challenges is just no one really knows what it is or if they do know they assume it's weight loss like I've had so many messages like, oh can you give me a diet plan or I want to lose weight can you help me with this and I'm, I'm always like no our job isn't all about weight loss we have you know we have so many other things we can do and people just assume it's weight loss all the time. Actually that's a really important point because that's something which has been mentioned in some of the previous podcasts about how different cultures and countries that dietetics isn't really a thing and doesn't really exist and so it's quite hard to explain that to your friends and family. When that situation has occurred do you have any tips of how to deal with it or how you've explained it? And I do usually say that a lot of dietetics is not weight loss. I always say like in the hospitals is normally weight gain. That's what we're aiming for. Um, and it's, I always say that, you know, um, hospital dietetics or clinical dietetics is quite different to a weight, like to weight loss. I always try and explain and you know, sort of tell them that that's not our only role, just weight loss. Um, but then sometimes because I've had family members ask me for weight loss advice so afterwards I do give them some advice as well but um, I do I do usually say first like this isn't my only job role. Overall you've had a, it sounds like a pretty good university experience and pretty good mm. placement experiences. We know within dietetics obviously that it generally is a pretty poorly diverse profession so we know in terms of kind of ethnicity the general dietetic profession tends to be quite British 
I was just wondering whether whether you want anyone who might be listening from a non-diverse background whether you'd want them to know anything in particular about kind of your culture or working with people from your culture or just any tips generally in order to kind of help them appreciate equality and diversity a little bit more um yeah definitely I think there's obviously there's such a wide range of cultures out there and I I wouldn't expect people to know everything about every single culture but I think it's just like just trying or just trying to understand even if it's the basics or a general idea of what people from different areas would eat um and I've had because my dad actually wanted to lose a bit of weight at one point I said oh why don't you go to a dietitian you know like this is our job um and he was like he didn't want to go because he thought the dietitian wouldn't know any of any of the Nigerian foods and he was thinking he thought that they would just tell him British foods which he doesn't he does eat British foods as well but he mainly eats um, Nigerian foods so I was thinking that really like opened my eyes as to how people perceive dietitians like we're all just um, talking about British food and I guess it is quite true like even at uni we have had lectures on um, different cultures and different ethnicity ethnic diets but I think majority of it is quite um, British mm. so I guess it's just um, just knowing that people are willing to try just just to go you know that extra mile to just know a few foods from different cultures I think that would really help. Interesting point as well about what you were saying about your dad the already preconception is the fact that we won't be able to help mm-hmm. and I wonder why that is I mean when I think of the word dietitian I do kind of think of a, a white female um but it's quite I don't know it's it's quite sad that it's kind of trickling down to our patients to the point where they wouldn't even consider attending an appointment to see what it's like because of that misconception mm-hmm. yeah how have you found in university your I know you said you've had some lectures in education have have you found that to be suffice for your knowledge and understanding um, yeah, we had um, a whole day on like South Asian cultures and diets. And um, I think that was really useful. It was a really helpful day. And they also gave us resources to like go away and do our own kind of learning. So I think that was a really good day. Um, and we also had, as I said, we did like um, cooking practicals in the kitchen. We had another day of like cooking different um, ethnic foods. So I thought that was a really good like use to, to actually cook the food, see like what they look like, what they taste like. Mm. So I think we... Um, we have had a good experience but I guess it's it also is sort of hard to put every single different culture into a few days of teaching so I understand it is quite challenging to get it all in and I, I think it was really that they really tried to give us that knowledge. Generalizations can be made and that's what we found in our university courses that foods would be kind of lumped into areas like South Asian or African whereas actually the foods mm. between two different countries are very different yeah and whilst I appreciate there is obviously the time constraint at the same time if it's putting people off like your dad even attending an appointment mm. actually I think it is something we need to do better on and that's kind of why we put this podcast together as well because we want to get down to individual countries and um, start improving yeah. education around that as well um really interesting insights so far um so it sounds like trying people from kind of non-diverse backgrounds to try a little bit more and I guess 
educate themselves a little bit more yeah one of the other questions we like to ask is knowing everything that you know now um if you were to speak to a younger Kago, would you give her any advice in particular um I think I would say just because sometimes I can be like quite a shy person like I'm quite a homebody I just like staying at home um so I think I would tell myself just to just kind of put yourself out there say yes to like any opportunity um because I remember once on my A placement I was dietitian said that I could spend an afternoon with a speech and language therapist mm-hmm. and I remember at the time I was thinking like you know I'm here for dietetics I just, I just want to see dietitians but I really wish I had said yes and just gone with the speech and language therapist it would have been such a good opportunity to see what they do in action because they have so much um, especially on like stroke wars they have so much in common with us and we work so closely together so I think I would definitely just tell myself just say yes to like every opportunity you have and put yourself out there. That's really lovely advice. I'm just wondering if there's anyone who's listening who's a student at the moment and maybe going through that and doesn't know how to be more of a yes person. Do you have any tips on how they can bring that out of them? Um, I think my like biggest tip would just be like fake it till you make it. That's sort of what I do. I just sort of like just sort of like pretend I'm like confident and I can I know what I'm doing and I just always say yeah I'd love to try that or I'll, you know I'll give it a go. Um, I think that's that's all you can do really just really just fake it till you make it just as long as you say you know I'm willing to try I'm willing to see how it goes I think that definitely would help really cool thank you so much one of the other parts as you're aware of this podcast as we were kind of alluding to earlier is having a little bit more education about people's kind of culture and their um, food and just things we should be more aware of when either working with patients potentially from a Nigerian background or also our colleagues maybe we could start with your culture and then go on to food a little bit more but do you mind telling us a little bit about Nigerian culture and maybe how food links into it and what that's like for potentially some Nigerian people out there? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I think Nigerian culture, it's still quite um, traditional it's t- in terms of like the household. It's usually the woman or the mother doing a lot of the, the shopping, the cooking, the food preparation. So it's still quite traditional in those senses. Um, and food is often, you know, is made from scratch. It's like you, you get the raw ingredients, cook everything from scratch. It often takes quite a long time because you have to cook um, every component Um yeah, food is definitely quite a big part of Nigerian culture. There's we even have like festivals for um I don't know if you know yam. It's like a it's sort of like potato, I guess that's like the English equivalent. Um there's like festivals for when the yam planting and harvesting season um starts. So yeah, food is definitely a massive part of the culture. Someone is a part of a family where potentially the mother may be doing a lot of the cooking and prepping and for some reason they might get on well I think that's really interesting to know about who will be cooking and thinking of ways around that as well about how to save time and energy so yeah that's really really good information are there any days in particular within Nigerian culture that as your colleagues we should be aware of that you celebrate I know you've mentioned um about the yam but are there any other days that we should be considering celebrating for you I know obviously we think 
about Christmas quite a lot, but is there anything else in Nigerian culture that is a big deal? Um, not to my knowledge, because Nigeria is pretty split between um, Christians and Muslims. So I know obviously Muslims will um, take part in Ramadan. So that would be quite important for the dietitians to know because they might not expect a Nigerian person to be partaking in that. Um, so that's obviously very important. And then um, for Christians, it would be Easter, Christmas, all the sort of big holidays that are well known. And a really good point about knowing that Nigeria is split between Christians and uh, Muslims. Do you mind telling us a little bit about Nigerian food and maybe what typical and traditional dishes are? Yeah, um, so Nigeria is so broad, like even within Nigeria, there's different, you know, cuisines and it just depends on what area you're from. So even some of the dishes I'm saying, people in, because I'm from like southeast Nigeria, the some of the dishes that I would eat, people in the north might not eat or they might do it differently. So I think it just sort of shows how varied cultures can be, even just within one country. But um, some of the common foods that I thought people might know a bit more is um, jollof rice, which is a rice is um is rice cooking like a tomato sauce so the rice looks orange um i don't know if um if you've heard of that or ever seen it but i feel like that's quite like a popular sort of west african dish um so jollof rice um and that will be served with like um, meat like chicken beef fish um and plantain so plantain is i think it's called a, a cooking banana i think that's like the english term for it so it looks like a banana but it's much more it's more savory um and that can be fried boiled but it's normally fried when it's served with the rice um so yeah there's jollof rice there's also um we have quite a lot of soups like vegetable based soups so there's okra which is i think it's called lady fingers i think that's like another yeah. word for it um and there's other like vegetables that we use to put in the soup so there's like um there's one called bitter leaf so the leaf is quite bitter so it's literally in the name bitter leaf um there's aura which is another soup another leaf that you put in the soup so you can have quite a lot of soups um and these soups are eaten with pounded jam which is i don't know how to describe it it's sort of I guess you could say it looks like mashed potato, but obviously it's not, doesn't taste like potato um, and it's not the same texture, but it looks like potato. So it's, um, it's yam, that pounded jam is made from yam um, and you sort of use the pounded jam to eat the soup or you could have um, another thing similar to pounded jam made from cassava, which is another type of tuba. Um, so you could have that which is called gari but then other places in Nigeria call it eba so you can even see like one food is called different things depending on where you live in Nigeria so it's all it's so varied um, and I've mentioned plantain already or you could have beans beans are quite commonly eaten as well um, it could be eaten with plantain it could be eaten with yam on their own so yeah there's so many different variations and one thing I also wanted to say was about um in terms of like cooking fats palm oil is quite commonly used and I, in, I think in like every sort of soup you would make you would always use palm oil and I know um that's sort of not very environmentally friendly um sometimes but that is quite a predominant part of Nigerian cooking it's it's the basis of a lot of meals so I just thought it was I wanted to put that out there but I'm I'm not sure about the production of palm oil in Nigeria. Maybe it's done in a more sustainable way. 
is this big push which you always hear about about sustainability and palm oil is it something which people might be using less of potentially maybe in this country or is it still just an absolute staple um, I think it's still a staple because even we have some here like we um when people come from Nigeria to here sometimes they bring it for us to use in cooking so I think it's still quite um widely used but that's just obviously my own personal experience I don't know if other families might not use it as much or they might just use like a sunflower oil or something but we still use palm oil and not in all the dishes um, we make but we use it in some of them. Oh great and what about things for like breakfast? Um, so breakfast is normally just like cereals they have um, they have Kellogg's in Nigeria so it's all, <laughs> have all the cereals um, or like porridge or you can get um, you can make porridge out of different grains so it won't be oat porridge it could be out of um like other grains that we have so it's um I guess it's kind of similar to British breakfasts. Mm. What kind of grains might they use because I think you're right whenever I think about porridge you automatically think of like oat porridge. Mm. Um so yeah there could be grains like millet or even um the cassava I said earlier that could be ground like into a flour and sort of made into like a porridge um textured sort of dish so yeah that could be used as well. Ah super interesting to know because I think it's that assumption again as well um that when someone is saying porridge actually to check up the makeup of mm -hmm. the dish potentially yeah. as well. Kind of for you growing up has Nigerian food played a big part in your upbringing um yeah definitely I feel like we've always had Nigerian food like since I can remember we've always had Nigerian food um it's it's sometimes a bit more difficult because some of the ingredients used don't grow here they only grow like in hotter climates but my mum has usually always tried to make sure we have um Nigerian food all the time um another thing I didn't mention actually was stew which is just like a tomato sauce that can be used with rice with yam plantain um we always have a container of stew in the fridge or in the freezer it's like a staple in the house so we always have that um and we sometimes will have like um rice or like a soup normally we used to have um okra soup every saturday that's like one thing i remember so um we've always my mum's always made sure that we like know the food of our culture nice. with your stew i know you said it was a tomato based sauce but what else does it contain? Um, so yeah, the tomato is blended with onions and like bell peppers, red bell peppers to like keep the red colour. Um, and then there's normally like meat in it. So any meat you like, like chicken, beef, or you could do fish. Um, so yeah, it's used as, it's kind of like a universal sauce used for any sort of carb, like rice, um, plantain, yam. So yeah. Cool. And what about herbs and spices? Is there anything in particular that we should be aware of? Um, yeah, so Scotch bonnet, that's a type of um, chilli that's used literally every day in my house. We have so many. Spicy, right? <laughs> yeah, it is really spicy. Um, but I guess we're all sort of used to a bit of spice because we've, since we've been little, we've always, um, Scotch bonnet is such a staple. So we've always had <laughs> Scotch bonnet. Um, another spice um, is Maggie Cube. It's sort of like a all-purpose seasoning um, yeah, so Maggie Cube is usually sprinkled in like every dish as well. Um, that's quite important. And we use a lot of fresh herbs as well. 
Um, so we have a rosemary like plant in the garden. So we always have rosemary in our stuff. Um, and we have, we used to have a bay leaf one as well. So we, um, rosemary, bay leaves, a lot of herbs are always used. Um, so yeah, I think that's like, obviously other things like, you know, ginger, garlic will always be used, but I think scotch bonnet is definitely a staple and Maggie cubes are like another staple that are always used. Am I right in thinking that a Maggie cube is quite high in salt? Yeah, it's probably quite high in salt and sodium, I can imagine. Um, it's, I guess it's, I wouldn't say a stock cube, but it is almost like a stock cube in terms of it's very salty, yeah. We had your dad, for instance, as our patient. Would, if he wanted some food fortification advice, mm -hmm. is there any tips in particular you can think of to give him? Um, yeah, so I would say in terms of like drinks, um, Ovaltine is drunk quite a lot and um, there's like different milk powders that can be added to fresh milk or added to any um, like cereals or like porridge type things you're having. Um, and then we also have, there's like a, a milk chocolate, a milk um, chocolatey drink called Nido. Um, so that could also be used to, instead of just having like a water-based drink, you could have milk-based drink with, as I said, Ovaltine, Nido, or you could add milk powder to it as well. Um, so, and then in terms of food, um, there's loads of like snack foods that could be used. So we have um, something called Puff Puff, which is like, I guess they're like donuts. Um, so those, they're like little fried donuts. So those would be a good way to, as a snack, to get some calories in. Do Chin Chin as well. Chin Chin is another fried snack. It's similar to like a biscuit in texture, I would I would say. Um, but it's fried, obviously. I don't, biscuits aren't fried. Um, and another thing would could be um, like plantain crisps, because you can make crisps mm -hmm. out of plantain. So you just sort of... Um, Use, I, we normally buy them like already made, but you could make them yourself. So just slice the plantain really thinly and deep fry it. Um, or another, for a more like a heavier snack option, it could be like a meat pie. So which is, um, it's a, like a, it's like a, I guess it's like a Cornish pasty in terms of how you would like eat it and hold it. It's not like a pie you put in the oven. Um, so it's a meat pie and it would be filled with like meat, um, potato, carrots, and it would be, wrapped in like a, a short crust pastry so you can get meat pies fish pies um so that would be a good way to like get some snacks in between meals to sort of fortify and boost you up but it sounds like the palm oil is potentially like one of the main ones for mm. it, uh, in terms of like oil fats mm, yeah and milk powders I guess for things more like cereals and drinks mm. yeah cool that's really interesting and if I was to ask you again um going back to the other way so if someone like maybe your dad came into us and wanted some advice for weight management mm. is there any good tips that you would give us in particular um I think one thing would be about the palm oil and reducing um the amount of oil used because some of the dishes um, some of them require quite a lot of oil um even things like stew that can be sometimes there's like layers of oil like sort of above the stew so I would say oil would definitely be a one way to sort of cut back a bit um another thing I would say would be portion sizes because quite typically if you're having like say a rice dish you'd have a you know a whole plate of rice and then your chicken and maybe some plantain on the side but I know that the typical sort of advice is, is half your plate should be vegetables and that doesn't always happen sometimes it will be 
you know a full plate of rice and then afterwards you might have a bit of salad on the side but um so yeah I think portion sizes would definitely be something that could be worked on but I think it would take a bit of time of you can't just be like you know have going from a full plate of rice to half a plate of rice or quarters I think that that's something that could be worked on gradually and then also reducing the amount of oil used in cooking that could be another way to like to work it down okay that's really helpful and I think like you said as well the stepwise approach mm. regarding the portion size for rice is a really good one because I think the expectation of if someone is used to having something for so long like half the plate mm. of rice to then reducing it down really rapidly it might not be something which sounds sustainable in terms of again I know this is quite a generalized question mm. but do you have any tips of ways of working or communication with people who might be from a Nigerian background, anything you've noticed in particular, which would work. I'm just thinking back to Yusena's podcast where she said, for example, with Polish people to be direct. Is there anything similar that you have any good tips for us to consider in terms of, yeah, communication or ways of working? Um, I would say... I think being direct would actually be quite a good one. I think just being direct and like straight up and just sort of saying it as it is, I think that would be really helpful. Um, and I also think just trying, if they say something like they name a food or a dish that you don't understand, just ask like, you know, what exactly is it? What's in it? How is that cooked? Because as I said, cooking is quite a big thing. Like everything's always cooked from scratch at home. So I feel like they would be happy to share how it's made and talk you through that. So I think, yeah, just... Um, being you know straightforward and also acknowledging that you might not know what something is or how it's made but still asking because we'll be happy to tell you if you're not sure being curious and asking and breaking it down to basics about how a thing is cooked especially like you said in a culture where cooking tends to be from mm. fresh if you're not sure just yeah breaking it down going back to basics and learning from your patients as mm. well are there any other thoughts that you can think for us as dietitians to break down barriers? I'm just, again, thinking back to your the situation with your dad where he obviously didn't want to attend in case we were giving advice about potentially British foods. Is there any other thoughts that we could do as dietitians and as a profession to help break down those barriers if we have a patient who is maybe a little bit apprehensive um I think it's just acknowledging that you might not know everything about the culture or the food but still just trying or still trying to offer something or even knowing the basics I think that would really help um and I think also with some of the advice that we give out just making sure that we can tailor it to different people um so I feel like some of the generic food fortification advice would be like maybe add cream or add cheese dishes but I can't imagine my parents you know adding cream or adding cheese to what they're eating so I think even with like the, the general advice we give out we need to consider that uh, some people just don't eat these things they're not used to it and it's not in their culture so we need to think of maybe a few some more examples that would apply to a, a wider range of people I think you're right as well regarding like diet sheets and stuff they tend to be very generalised and you're right, very tailored to 
British diet with the cream and the cheese and yeah exactly like my grandparents would not <laughs> add cream and cheese to their food so even just adding some more of the things which you had mentioned today and different types of snacks because I always see things like scones and biscuits but actually why shouldn't we be adding things like puff puff as well for instance yeah I think in literature I think there is a lot of work we need to do about tailoring our advice to individuals from different backgrounds mm. great that's all really helpful information and that was really in-depth as well I can tell as you know you're you come across really well spoken as well so <laughs> yeah thank you just thank you so much for coming on and chatting about that I think this will be really helpful information to a lot of people do you have any last words of wisdom that you want to speak out to anyone um, I would just say that dietetics is such a great course. I, I really wish more people like knew about it and more people knew what we do because it's such a great course and it's so like it's so nice to be able to work with patients and like see them through their journey and help them along the way. So if you like food or you're interested in food, I'd say definitely consider doing it. Oh, that's really great. And if people listening want to know a little bit more about maybe some Nigerian food or culture where can they find you if they want to contact you um so I have a blog called Kago's Kitchen um, and I have an Instagram as well which is also Kago's Kitchen so um you can um message me on my blog or on Instagram so yeah I um I have a blog where I write about different topics in nutrition I also write about life as a student dietitian as well just to give more people an insight into the course so those would be the best places to contact me. And I also, on my Instagram, I do like um, a recurring post about diversity and dietetics. So I always post Nigerian food as well and sort of you know, describe what's in it or how it's cooked. Sounds like a wealth of information. Your social media <laughs> sounds like it has so much, which is great because we need more yeah. of that information out there. So I'm, I'm really glad to hear that you're doing that. And yeah almost empowering our profession to learn a little bit more so yeah everyone who's listening needs to follow Kago's Kitchen because that sounds amazing perfect thank you so much again for coming on today we're really thank grateful you. to have you we have to me. catch up again when you are qualified as well and yeah, see definitely. how your journey is evolving and see how that's all going but yeah thanks so much again um, and yeah we'll probably catch you soon yeah thanks for having me thanks affected by any of the issues heard on this podcast today or want to be a better ally or support search diverse dietitian support group uk on facebook and look out for further social media from us stay healthy friends Thank you.